0: This is Ryan Shelkett from Cross My Heart and Liars Academy, and you're
1: listening to The New Scene.
0: everybody and welcome to the new scene i am your host keith and we're back with another brand new episode and in the guest host chair today i've got stacy hilt back on the show stacy welcome back oh thanks for having me again man i enjoy
2: being on here with you
0: yes it's great to have you back stacy i have not seen you since the last casket lottery gig in brooklyn and you know what it was nice to walk in there and see you sitting at the bar and just talk to you for most of the night
2: yeah, it was it was a good time, and that was a really good show too. Um, Vita, uh, Vitus is always like a really good spot for us. It has been since our uh, re- reunion tour in two thousand eighteen. I remember that. Yes, it has such a it has such a CBGB's vibe, but clean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I tell everybody. It's like, what's it like? It's like it's CBGB's if they had a good cleaner. Because I mean, that's <laughs> the one thing I always took away from CBGB's. And you walk through it, the the hardwood floors, always felt like they were about to give. And then everything that's had this like layer of grit on it. And then obviously the bathroom wasn't usable. And <laughs> Vitus has all those things on on, uh, on check. So you can, you know, use the restroom and walk safely across the floor. And it's pretty clean.
0: Yeah, you know, I never saw a show at Seabees. However, one night I was in New York City hanging out with friends. And we stopped in there. And I used the dreaded bathroom. So I've used the bathroom. <laughs> but haven't seen a show there. And I think that's a good claim
2: to fame. Well, that, that that's that's... That could be better than seeing a show there. I mean, it all depends. That's, that's an experience in and of itself.
0: <laughs> well, it's great to have everybody back. Stacy. it's great to have you here. And you know what, everybody? We've got a fantastic show for you today. We have Dave Neesmith. The guy is a legend. He's been in like 8,000 bands. Maximilian Colby, Men's Recovery Project, Sleepy Time Trio, Regents, and of course, Bats and Mice. And bats and mice have a new record coming out soon. We talk about that. We talk about Dave's extensive music history. You've heard it, Stacy, right? Tell them. Tell them what to expect.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's odd to see how often you hear certain musicians in certain scenes, like how their lives mirror yours, like almost identically. And it's it's pretty awesome. Here, there's a great interview, and um, yeah, so many good uh, so many good points, uh, musical experiences, like his rap career. Is there (laughs) And uh, hanging out in the D.C. with the punks and stuff like that. I mean, that's 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 a childhood that like you dream about having where you see like you have Fugazi at your fingertips. You have, you know, um, Hoover at your fingertips. Any band that comes through there. I mean, they have the best clubs. I mean, it's great.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of great stories in this one. And Dave has created so much good music. Sleepy Time Trio has always been one of my favorite bands and everything else he's been involved in is great. That conversation is coming up shortly, but first, here's how you can support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at New scene Pod. We've got shirts available at Deathwish Inc. Reviews give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. and you can leave feedback on Spotify. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can always email me at NewscenePod at iodinerecords.com. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. The Jerome's Dream Audio Tree live session is up right now on YouTube, and I highly, highly recommend that you check it out. They also have European tour dates kicking off July 18th in Germany. One Line Drawing is hitting the East Coast starting July 14th, and that tour goes through July 24th. The Iron Roses have announced their new LP, and you can listen to the new single, Screaming for a change right now on all streaming services. Audio Karate are playing a hometown show August 19th at the Paramount in Los Angeles. So if you're in LA, go check it out. No Man has tour dates with FAM and those kick off July 14th in Iceland and are continuing throughout Europe in July. Sign up for the iodine email list. You'll find out about everything first. For more information, head to the Iodine Instagram at iodine Recordings, or head to the Iodine website at IodineRecordings.com. And don't forget to support this month's sponsor, New Morality Zine. New Morality Zine is a Midwest-based zine and independent record label specializing in hardcore, post-hardcore, and alternative music. The label has released music for bands such as Sunstroke, Buggin', Life's Question, Downward, Spite House, Demo Division, Spaced, and more. Pre-orders are up for Curse the Knife's Thank You For Being Here. Pick that up. The Sunstroke Bent Blue 7-Inch is out now. Si Dios Chiedi. have a summer sampler out with some new songs and they have select US tour dates this summer. Stateside have a second single out called If You Were Still Here. That's from their debut, It's What We Do, and that's out July 31st. Also, don't forget to pick up Downward's two songs on 7-inch vinyl. It's available for the first time on 7-inch vinyl. These songs originally released in 2020 and became instant fan favorites. Pick one up from the store or from the band as they play throughout the U.S. this July. Also, don't forget you get ten percent off any order in the New Morality Zine web store with the code New scene Pod. That's all one word: New scene Pod. For more information, head to the NMZ Instagram at New Zine, or head to their website at NewMoralityZine.com. Okay, so Stacy, I have to know what have you been listening to lately? Lay it on us. It can be anything. It can be video game music, it can be jazz, it can be classical, it can be old supermarket commercials from the 1980s. It doesn't matter what it is,
2: lay it on us. That would be a hell of a library if I was listening to that stuff. Um, I'm listening (laughs) to a band called Active Child. Um, It's kind of electronic pop music, and and they've been around for a while. Been listening to a lot of plenty from Australia, and it's basically this instrumental prog rock, I guess. And then a lot of also Polyphia, which is more instrumental prog rock. So that's pretty much all I've been listening to is a lot of instrumental stuff and just podcast.
0: Nice. Nice. I'm listening to Helios. That's like a kind of an ambient slow core. No, not slow core. It's like ambient, basically. Ambient. I've been listening. I mean, I've been on an ambient kick, Stacy. So I've been listening to Helios. I've been listening to Goldmund. Uh, I've been listening to uh, July Skies. I've been listening to a little Brian Eno, that song and ending that's at the end of the movie traffic. I've been listening to that over and over. I'm on a bit of an ambient kick.
2: All right. That's not Helios. I'm on spot. Are they on Spotify? I'm on Spotify. I just looked up. Okay, here we go. They took me to the yeah. Frey who has an album called Helios. And I was like, that's not who I'm looking for.
0: No, you want the artist. All right. I Helios. got it. Got it. It's good stuff. So uh, that's what I've been listening to. Oh, and uh, I listened to Jerome's Dream, The Gray in Between again today. They just recently did an audio tree
2: session. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. And it, it got me in the mood to listen to them again. And, uh, we got a shout out during the audio
2: tree session, Stacy, the new scene. Oh, that, that's amazing. And audio trees. Fantastic. I, every, every performance I've seen on there has been amazing. Um, this, this town uh, needs guns. That one, um, that was like one of my favorite audio tree performances. It was fantastic. And then, uh, like Sean was on there and they were great. Yeah, I've seen so many good ones on there.
0: They do such a good job with those. And I'll play the clip when Stacy and I come back in segment three. So make sure you check back in with us because we have a lot to talk about. I know you have a lot to talk about, Stacy. right? You You recently parted ways amicably with the casket lottery after a historic multi-decade run, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. So we'll cover that. Stacey and I will talk about how we're doing And I'm sure we'll talk about gaming, too, because we love that. So make sure you check back in with us in segment three. But right now, we are going to speak to Dave Neesmith of Bats and Mice. Enjoy. We are here now with Dave Neesmith. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, Dave, it's fantastic to have you here. You know, you've been involved with a lot over the years. Maximilian Colby, Sleepy Time Trio, Regents, Bats and Mice. I hear rumors that there's new Bats and Mice music coming. Yes. The first in a long time. And you know what, Dave? We're going to cover all of that and probably more. But uh first I wanna open with this question to you. Sure. How are you doing today?
1: <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um yeah. Uh I actually had pretty good summer so far. You know, um it's actually been a little bit of a crazy week because um my wife uh is she's a ER doctor and she's like Whoa, yeah, she's trying to get all her shifts in before we leave for india on a vacation on monday so it's like i i am like at our in-laws house in virginia beach um and the i during the day you know i work my day job and then uh they watch the boys and then we've just been having fun like going to the beach or, or and stuff like that but it is kind of a little hectic and There's going to be a lot of packing this weekend before we leave, so.
0: You're going on a vacation to India on Monday.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) When you said that, I felt a sinking feeling in my chest. So I can only imagine what you feel right now.
1: Oh, sinking because, like, is it? It it would be like a very stressful thing for you.
0: Just just because of all the prep, like do I oh, have the yes. tickets? Yeah, do yeah. I have the passports? Are the kids packed? Are we gonna make it yes, on time? Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I know. Actually it's funny because my father in law just like wrote me today, um, or texted me, and was just like, make sure you print out like uh like multiple copies of your visas. <laughs> Cause I had to, get, I had to get the e visas, which was pretty easy actually online. And he was, but then he just got really worried. Like I, I had to have multiple copies of them, and he said, "Put them in all like separate suitcases. Make sure you have them." <laughs> but, That's
0: very solid dad advice. Yeah, I exactly. Like
1: yeah, it was. Yeah. It felt very dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is my wife's family is from India. She was born here. I actually got married in India. Um, but this is the first time I have a ten-year-old and a six-year-old. It's the first time that they've gotten to go. Um, it's just like with COVID and like other like life events, we've never been able to make it. So we finally like put our feet down and we're like, oh, "Okay, we're we're going."
0: That's exciting. I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, you know that she's got a lot of cousins there. Her one of her cousins has like a organic farm that he does a csa out of in hyderabad and um so i get to see that and then we're just gonna uh, actually gonna go to the beach there <laughs> as well so that won't be too much different but it'll be fun to be in india and do that
0: wow yeah that's awesome where is uh where are you based in virginia
1: well uh, so i actually live in hillsborough north carolina but i'm just in virginia beach right now for you know to get childcare support while I, I I work during the day doing programming stuff like software stuff. And so, yeah, this is my, you know, this is how we can get it done. Well, (laughs) my wife, my wife has like five or six shifts in a row. So
0: yeah. ER doctor. That's intense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy. Like she, you know, she did a residency. I mean, we, so we are originally from Virginia like you know I I went to college at JMU and she went to college at UVA and um like I was mostly raised I was born in North Carolina but I was raised mostly in Northern Virginia and Virginia feels you know like home but now we're yeah just there's there's a little town like 15 minutes um north of Chapel Hill called Hillsboro that we live in We've got a little farm, we've got like 20 acres, we've got goats, we've got chickens <laughs> and um, yeah, it's awesome. I, I I love doing it. It's, but it is a lot of work, you know, at times, but, but it's also fun to see the boys just get, they, they get so excited about running around outside and uh, playing with the goats and. And, (laughs) yeah.
0: That sounds like a really nice setup. So, did you have to learn how to be a farmer to a degree?
1: A little bit. I mean, I grew up on a horse farm because my mom, you know, it was a riding instructor. My dad is like a, well, he was a Marine for a long time, but then he became a lawyer. And, like, his dream was always to be, like, a country lawyer. Like, he actually um, wrote this in, like, elementary school. that he he has, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, I want to be a country lawyer. And then my mom always loved horses. So she wanted to be a riding instructor. So I, but you know, so I grew up on the, uh, that farm up in Northern Virginia. And, but I did a lot. I always joke, like I did a lot more shoveling than I did riding. (laughs) 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 but I learned a lot. I did. I I mean, it was a lot of, it was a lot of work. I had a lot of chores as a kid, you know? So I, 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 Learned a lot of grit. I learned a lot of, like... I mean, I think there's some of that punk, like, DIY-ness that I learned. Um, And then grew up... Luckily, I grew up basically, like, 30 minutes from DC. So, you know, like, I had the positive force scene that I got to be a part of, which was amazing. So, it was a very lucky location for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. You're
0: close to a lot of action there. Mm -hmm. Talk about... I'm mean, curious about your trajectory with music. When did you discover it? How did you get into it? And then talk about like your origins in punk or you know uh, underground music.
1: Yeah, sure. So I, my um, my best friend, like since the second grade, his name Theolonius. He he he's his full name is or first you know <laughs> is. His first name and middle name is Theolonius Wolfgang. So I call him, he also goes by TW. But um we went to summer camp together and, you know, we kind of went, we went to camp as very young. And then as over the years, like some of our friends at camp, all of a sudden, some of them were getting into this new like punk rock thing that we were like, oh, this is very interesting. What is this all about? and T.W. and I were very much like metal heads. We were like, oh, we love metal. That's what we like, you know, and not like I'm not even saying like great metal. Like, I mean, I great metal to me. I'm I I take back it saying that like I'm not going to put any judgment on it. (laughs) But I was into like Quiet Riot. I was into Def Leppard, Judas Priest, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I uh, and we came back. I remember specifically when we got into punk rock. Because we came back from summer camp, and we probably this is like seventh or eighth grade, and we went to the record store, and we were like, "Oh, let's check out!" You know, our friend Caleb was into this band, Dead Kennedys. Okay, so we bought Judas Priest Turbo album, and then we bought Dead Kennedys Franken Christ. And we actually, like, sat down and listened to them, like, you know, back to back. And we were just sort of like, okay, let's try to figure this out. Like, what is better here? And we we decided both, like, like, oh, you know what? The music is, you know, we both have pros with the music. We're, like, into both music. But we were like, Ted Kennedy's, like, this actually has a message. And it's kind of, like, it's meaningful. And so, we were like, okay, Dead Kennedys wins. All right, we're going to buy more punk music. (laughs) And so, yeah, T.W. started, he got me more into, like, he he introduced me to, um, like, Consolidated and Crass and all those kind of bands. And then we became, like, you know, we showed up the next summer at summer camp, and we're, like, vegetarian. We're, you know, uh, got patches on our whatever Jackets or whatever, and like, and we're listening to punk now. And then, yeah. And, but then he was, he actually ended up moving closer to DC. He lived in Arlington and then he became friends with the, uh, like the Reston scene as well. So that was right when Avail was, had like Brian as a singer and, um, they were in Reston and, there was these there's awesome bands there like remission was a awesome band and and then like we would go see fugazi oh i forgot the whole then like my first punk show was we went to go see gbh at um at the old 930 club like real old 930 club i'm like 14 15 years old and i'm walking into this you know this is like after we were like oh we're punk you know we're walking into the show. I mean, we didn't dress any different. We TW's mom dropped us off. And we're walking this show and there's like all like skinheads all around. And at the time in DC, there was this like head of the skinheads was like this black woman lefty. And she was like, um, she comes up to our friend Caleb. He like came down. He was living in Philly. And he came down to go to the show with us. And she just, we just walked up. We're like walking up to this 930 club with our tickets in our hand. Like, ooh, we're little goofy boys going to this show. Woo! Here's (laughs) our tickets. And she just comes up and like, I think she had a cane or something that hit the ticket out of his hand. And then steps on it with her boot. And she was like, whoever gets it, gets it. And we just, we basically like shit our pants. Like we were like, (laughs) "Wow, (laughs) what is happening? And, um, and so, but then one of the skinheads were like, Oh, they're just kids, lefty, leave them alone. And so she was like, Okay. And like walked away and just picked up the ticket, went into the show. And then I'm in my first, like, I, you know, I'm seeing people with like green mohawks that are, you know, two feet high, like all this craziness in this club. And I remember like the mosh pit started. And there was a guy with, like, these inch spikes on his leather jacket. And I just got rammed right in the back of this guy. Oh. It, was, it was like an Iron Maiden where, like, <laughs> 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 I remember one of the spikes, like, went into my chin. I was just, Ooh. like, st- I was, like, stuck to this guy. But it was just the energy and just amazingness of it. I You know, I was hooked. But then, yeah. So then more we would go to like Fugazi shows. We'd go to positive four shows and you know, it was just, it was all, Oh, and like I was my, the small town that I was raised in was called Cat Harpen, Virginia, which is just outside of Manassas. And so I became friends with like the Manassas punk kind of folks. And that was, um, they like, my friends, you know, I ended up playing like high school friends, John and Marie, I ended up playing in Rob Ross with, but like John was in a band called Hugall. It was laugh backwards. And then he ended up being in Hose Got Cable with all these Manassas folks and Richmond folks. And then because I knew TW and TW knew the Reston folks, I all of a sudden became like the bridge between the Manassas Reston folks. And then they started playing shows together. And, um, but then, yeah, we would, it was just awesome. It was like, we were off to the races as far as like, you know, how exciting it was and amazing punk rock was.
0: Was Rob Roz the first band you played in?
1: No, no. So I actually, I got a guitar for, like, I was never musical. I got a guitar for graduating from high school and, um I went off to college with this acoustic guitar I didn't know what the heck I was doing and but when I was in college I there was like all this kind of this early 90s like kind of conscious hip-hop rap going on and my friend my one of my, like my best friends at the time my freshman year were really into rap so I ended up being in a rap band and I was like an MC. And yeah, it was just very like a political rap band. I don't know, not, it was called Ask, Why, or Die. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and, so you're,
0: not, you're an MC? you're actually rapping?
1: Yes, exactly. Wow. And, and it was so like, like, it was really interesting when I made, so then the next band I was in was Maximian Colby. And actually Drew Ringo from Maximian Colby was, was in my rap band for a while um, as a bass player and you know it was it was like an awesome my JMU scene was amazing cuz it was just a bunch of we called ourselves like the freak posse and like we were just you know and we're all still friends there's like a a facebook group that we communicate on and like um you know there's it was very eclectic group of people but since it was JMU at the time was just such a small school we all just kind of gravitated to each other so you'd have like hippies punks you know whatever all together and it's like hey you're different come you know come come hang out and so um yeah it was just and then like my my rap band like opened a show for Bikini Kill and Nation of Ulysses like at one wow. point yeah at this um house that called the Corn Rocket House um which my you know my friend Billy was in a band called Corn Rocket and so yeah we yeah th- it was just that was so the rap band went for a bit and then um and then Maxby and Colby started around my junior year of of college and I was so bad. I was like playing like one note on the guitar, but we were so like excited about being in a band that we just practiced like four times a week. We were just so, you know, into it and we were you know, they like Drive Like Jehu who was a big influence, Lint, Heroin, like all these, we were trying to, you know, thread the needle, Hoover, like all these bands that were so, we were so amazed by that, yeah, we just, it was just exciting time. And so I really like, you know, spent that year just learning, actually finally learning how to play, you know, um, guitar, basically. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, you know, having listened to the Max Colby discography, it sounds like you definitely learned it. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, because it's I mean, good. It's it's great stuff. But you know what? I'm curious. I well, first, let me say this. I love the sound of this whole scene and everyone together. The Freak Collective is that what you called it?
1: Yeah, it's like a. I think that we were like the freshman freak posse because there was like this whole idea of like all these freaks were coming in, and to for like the new year or whatever. But then it just ended up being like, you know, I forget. We just call ourselves like the freak posse or something. And yeah.
0: It just sounds like a nice mix of people, different bands, different types of bands, different shows, which is great. And this whole, this whole scene is something I'm kind of fascinated by. I'm talking Maximilian Colby, Drive Like Jay, Who Sleepy Time Trio. Yeah. Uh, Hoover, like all those types of bands. Because when I came up, I was going to hardcore shows exclusively, basically. Right. And it was like the crossover stuff that was blowing up in 98, 99. cave and Converge, Dillinger, Escape Plan, Botch, all that. Yes. And you're familiar with hardcore shows. It's very regimented. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is what you dress. This this is how you dress. And everything outside of that is stupid. And it's not like anybody sits you down and says all this, but that's just the mindset you end up in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of fascinated by this whole world of music you're operating in and what it's like and how it functions. So what are those shows like? Uh how are the people? Is there any of that weird like proto emo like crying and throwing yourself on the <laughs> ground and and like all that stuff?
1: Yeah. There was <laughs> there was that um but yeah, we actually um those shows at JMU were all like Whatever, like we would play at a farmhouse, like and I remember like um Bikini kill came back and played the, the there's like pictures of them playing this farmhouse well wow. um at jmu and like during the day, and where my rap band played again, and like and it was just, yeah, it was very supportive, an amazing scene, but you know it's because like the even the punk rock kind of scene and definitely punk rock hardcore kind of all of a sudden was like the same thing. Um, At least talked about the same thing, but there were these weird shows. Like I remember sleepy time played a show in Norfolk once and it seemed like it was the band before us was a very like um, almost New York style, hardcore band. And I remember the singer like telling the crowd, he's like, all right, we got to keep the energy up. Let's go. Like very like, <laughs> you know, intense about it. And then we get up there being like, you know, maybe we face the crowd. Maybe we don't, <laughs> I don't know. And then <laughs> do our spazzy, you know, hardcore version of whatever we're doing. And yeah, it's, but the, sorry. Yeah. I don't know what I was saying about that, but just that, yeah, know, they're all different. I think the, so when you mentioned the crying thing, I remember playing like a fest in Ohio and the other guys at Sleepy Time would remember it better than me. But there was like a real emotional roller coaster going on at this fest and people were there can remember it like people were falling down crying like before we not before like the other bands like they couldn't even play. They were like and then we just were like we got on there and we were like we're just going to rock. You know, we're just going to go off because I feel like this, this needs to happen. You know, there's a, you know, there's all this. That's what for me, the music always has been is like, there's a need to release energy, you know, like there's a, like my, my, my wife, like never, like, she's always been, you know, she's, she's never been like a, uh she's into alternative music, indie music, and all that stuff, but she's never really understood sleepy time or whatever until finally she saw us at one of the reunion shows and she was and she saw how crazy it was, and like people <laughs> just going off and like and you know jumping around and like you know like and she was like, "Oh, I get it now."
0: It's a pure energy thing, like you described yeah. at that first show where you got a spike in your chin and it's scary and you don't know yes. what's going on and you got hooked. That's the same exact thing that happened to me, but different show in different bands and you just, uh, I mean, like you, I just got hooked on it right away.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, I mean, those like Fugazi shows or Avail shows, were all just jumping as one like it's felt at times and, you know, it's just like a, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a release, and you know, especially like you know, we're I'm not sure what you are, but I'm a Western white male pent up with this modern society, right? And and this was like a young man's release, you know, as far as like, oh, he can you can express your emotions. I was just talking to my friend Jonathan today about it, like how like you know, uh, it's funny because he played drums in Sleepy Time and he, like one time i remember at a show i turn around and i just see it he's not even playing drums anymore he's just punching the wall <laughs> <laughs> you know? and i'm like what is happening but this it was awesome it was just incredible but it was just like you know where else do you get to for us at the time we, we're not going to talk about our feelings like you know we should like we're gonna just you know go up on stage and, and trash our instruments in <laughs> as the way of getting this out.
0: Exactly. I mean, same same story for me. And I would imagine with a Marine lawyer father, who oh, yeah. needed to go outside the house to find some kind of outlet.
1: Oh, yeah. Emotions are, you know, they are not allowed, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. my, you know, like it was definitely like you fall down, well, Hey, get back up. What are you still doing on the ground? Like, you know, that's the the mentality, right? And it's, it, it's typical for our generation, their generation. So, like, I don't fault them for that, but it's definitely not how like I want to raise my kids. Like and and thankfully my wife was not raised that way has taught me to be like, "Oh, okay." You know, my kid fell down on the bike path the other day, my youngest, and he was just crying, you know, and I went and hugged him and like, Oh, you're okay. You know, Hey, it's all right. Uh, it's tough. I've fallen down a lot on my bike and just with that hugs and that's like, he's back up and going like right away instead of like, there's this idea that, Oh, if you coddle somebody, they're not going to be able to do it, you know, keep going, but, or, or like not have independence, but it's just, you know, it's bullshit. Like you just, you know, we definitely need more, we need more of that in the world. And it took me a long time to sort of <laughs> work through all that stuff to figure that out.
0: No, 100%. Uh, growing up, for me, it sounds like for you too, it was just, I don't know, there were times where I asked for help and it was just like, oh, what do you want me to do? Get over it. Go yeah. back to work. Uh, deal with it. And that's uh, that can cause problems, I've found.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially yeah. when you feel like, you know, you shouldn't have emotions or you should detach from your emotions. Um, there, you know, I, years of going through it and, and actually also like, you know, working it out on stage, you realize the emotions are all there still. It's just that you tried to detach from them and, but they're going to come out anyway. And I, you know, thank God for the music scene at least allowed me some kind of outlet.
0: That's good. That's good. Did uh yeah. did any of your early bands do any like crazy crying circles or any any of that <laughs> stuff that was going on?
1: No, we never did those. Um you know, it's like it's interesting cuz you know, I I think of each of my bands as having kind of like a vibe and kind of an uh like a like Maxime mean, Colby was like, "Oh, we're college kids who are doing this hardcore punk thing, but it's a little arty." you know, and like, we're just trying to, and then it's moody. And, but then sleepy time, Drew started it with the idea. Like I wasn't in sleepy time at the beginning. Um, I like joined like six months in or so. And um, so they were a trio uh, (laughs) in the beginning. And then, um, but like the, he started it with like, oh, we're just going to rock. And then when I joined, I started, I started, like oh well i i'm, I'm going to bring a little more uh melody with the songs i write but um yeah, but still have that mentality like of like this is more this going to be a little more fun but it still was intense like the the idea of it was like um and drew would talk about it too like all we have to do is hit the brakes like we go completely insane but then completely quiet for like one second and then bust into it again and then people think you know what you're doing <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah like um i don't know then moved on to you know did bra bras which was just like i was like a i mean it was awesome to be totally out of my comfort zone with like more electronic you know but still punkish kind of and I learned so much musically from John and Marie and, you know, trying to, um, you know, sing more, more operatic kind of stuff. But yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Oh, and I totally forgot about Men's Recovery Project, which was, it was just a ridiculous band.
0: <laughs> you actually performed in that band, yes?
1: Yeah, exactly. Were you a guitar that. player? No, I was a bass player.
0: Okay. Yeah. I uh I had not heard of that band before researching you and boy that is a interesting band very cool like I mean being out on tour with them must have been a trip right because Oh yes. Like you have to be peculiar to write and create that kind of art.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean I the, it, you know I only got to be on a couple albums and then like um so I once Sleepy Time really started taking off in like 97. I couldn't do Men's Recovery. Um And then when uh they wanted to tour again and we went to Japan, like I, I started back up again in like 2001. And then, yeah, that was like um just a few tours where actually the Raw Bras were basically like, because John was, so Sam and Neil are you know, the singer and guitarist for Menton's Recovery Project and John Skritza, the drummer, who was also in Rob Roz with me. We, When we did, like, the later stuff, um, early 2000s, was Marie from Rob Roz joined us. So it was basically Rob Roz playing with Sam and Neil in the front. Um, But, the yeah, it was, I mean... Sam and Neil are just characters. I mean, they're Sam McFeeters, he was in Born Against, um, and Neil, I think he was in Born Against for a, while, for a little bit, and Lifeblood and other bands, like New York Hardcore, but then they got in this really quirky, like, um, you know, uh, music.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine New York Hardcore guys starting Men's Recovery Project. That's, like, that makes yeah. it even better.
1: Yeah, totally. Like, it was just a... It was a complete 180 and like a kind of, uh, you know, rejection of, of everything, basically. <laughs>
0: you know? I was listening to it earlier, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm like listening to the song and there's all this weird stuff going on. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. And then I hear some fucked up sound and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it was the song. It was like something, <laughs> yeah. It was like something in the background of the song that scared me. And I was like, that's so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was so fun. And, but also it was just a clusterfuck every time we were on tour, like always (laughs) something would go wrong. Like um, I, there was a man, I I don't think I've ever told this story where um, we were playing, I think Memphis or something. And um, we're, it was some kind of restaurant that we're playing with sit down tables and we're, we're in the back getting ready to come out and we are wearing like the whole tour. We're wearing these little boy sweaters that are just like, you know, basically showing off our midriffs. (laughs) And I have a statue of David mass. John has a mask that is like a a woman's red high heel shoe. And um, Neil has a gimp mask and Sam is just tapes up his nose, so his like nose is just sticking up like a like a pig, I guess. <laughs> and there's this like maybe three guys, like people eating their dinners, and then there's three guys in front of the stage just um, screaming like MPR, MPR, and we were like, that's not even the right initials. <laughs> it's, it's MRP. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we come out and um, we start playing and Sam just immediately in the first song just comes and just takes out a, a table of like diners. Like their people are having their dinner and oh like God. he just he just knocks the whole table over. There's two guys who are running the place and own it, I guess. And one of the guys comes over and just picks up Sam and throws him out of the club. like. <laughs> and then what a great show yeah then he comes back to the behind the bar and he didn't know that it was sam or that it was a singer and the other guy was like hey you just threw out the singer and not that this should have mattered i'm happy they threw him out i thought (laughs) thought it was hilarious but so then this the guy is like oh shoot and like runs out to get sam and sam it just just is scared this guy is going to beat him up so he just takes off running like (laughs) and so this guy is chasing him through the streets of memphis (laughs) like he's like come back here come back here and he's like no (laughs) running away it's like a
0: cartoon how amazing
1: and then we're we just keep playing we're like four or five songs of this and like um sam finally runs out of breath he's you know he he's, he's like holding up his hand and he's like
3: stay back stay back <laughs> <laughs> the
1: guy's like no i want you to come back and you know finish the show and he's like really <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are those guys up to these days i can't imagine they're accountants now or something
1: oh yeah so sam actually he's a writer um he's got a few books out um he lives in LA um and then neil is in Providence. I'm pretty sure he's in Providence. And um he's got like a t shirt like company. He makes T shirts. But he also um does a lot of screen printing. I've got like one of his screen prints on my wall at home. Uh which is really funny too. Like Neil has a very distinctive voice. It's like um he's just like ah hey
2: Dave, how you doing?
1: And <laughs> so he I bought this screen print from him and um during one of it he did a show and uh um the he was telling me how the screen print is like a it's he does like a very like line kind of drawing art and it it's just like kind of tubes coming from the sky and there's like little round spheres like almost hitting like a like a desert landscape and so he had done this opening where this the woman who was like curating the show was like oh and now we um see neil's artwork here he obviously this is a take on the Gulf war and, and you know, these are the bombs dropping and, and Neil's just like, uh no. <laughs> 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 it's just some art lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah.
0: Th- those guys are on a different level. Just looking at uh, some of the videos online and some of the music, it's uh, it's really interesting stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's really kind of funny. Cause I never got a, good sense of like they they kind of took themselves seriously and then kind of and mostly didn't but i never got the sense of like they they you know they played their cards close to their chest as far as like because there would be all this like oh we need to practice we need to you know get ready for the show and and do all this stuff and like have like the sequencers and everything all set up and and neil would but then we would, we would practice maybe once or twice, like before a tour. And, but then they would be all gung ho. And then we'd go play the show. And like S- Sam and Neil would just be like, you know, doing those things that just, you know, w- would potentially destroy the show. <laughs> but <laughs> but John and I would just keep playing. Like we would just had a great time. Like we, it, I think in any other band that was like, Oh, you know, you were trying to make it or do something with this. You'd be like, upset but for us it was just a I mean it was just a spectacle, you know. <laughs> like and we had like the front row seats, you know, we were like, this is amazing.
0: So you're playing in men's recovery project. Did Maximilian Colby come after that?
1: It was we were doing that, um Maximilian Colby was before and then during. Uh, okay. And then um and then Sleepy Time started where I started in the band like right before um so um the bass player for Maxim Colby died um in uh ninety five and um and so but we had I was already had done like some tours with Sleepy Time um but we Maxim and Colby had planned on doing a split seven inch with Action Patrol and um but you know unfortunately never got to happen.
0: So Max Colby was together uh, Bob Boehner is yes. uh, the is the bassist for for anyone who doesn't know who sadly passed. Uh, yeah. So did did that band end after he died?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So you just decided that was it?
1: Yeah, I mean it just wouldn't been the same. Um, you know, I would love to play those songs again, and I I still Tom and I the drummer or um, Tom Richards the drummer and I still text every now and then and. He's a great guy. He's out in California. um. But like, yeah. And of course, you know, I went on with Drew to play in sleepy time and regents. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it just, Tom went to law school and, you know, it just didn't seem, it didn't seem right without Bob, you know?
0: So there has been discussion of maybe playing those songs again someday.
1: Yeah. um, We've, Hinted around about it. I, you know, it's, they have a lot of meaning with, for me, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it'd have to be, I'd have to do it the right way. And, you know, I'd want some, uh you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, I mean, I've got so much going on with <laughs> my regular life and then doing other stuff that it's hard to imagine trying to figure it out. But,
0: Right. I don't know. Has there been I, offers over the years?
1: I don't know if the I mean, there've been offers for shows, but I don't know if those have ever been like, oh, we don't know that you're not a band anymore, <laughs> you know, like Yeah. Um, but um but Drew and I have talked about it. Um but yeah, I don't know. I just went up for Drew's um uh he had his 50th birthday party recently up in Philly, Drew Ringo and like um we talked about it some then, but you know, uh i I have like all the material material for um another regent's record and or and or I don't know what it's gonna be like uh, three songs are are ones that I recorded with Jonathan and sleepy time and we had talked about doing a sleepy time record um but I don't know if we'll ever get around to that so and then I also have this other on my fiftieth birthday I did a this this little thing with that was called buried show pony that was like, um, just a, you know, a hardcore song that I did with Jason Hammaker and Ben Davis. And, um, yeah. And I don't know if it'll be that. I'm not sure. I don't.
3: You
0: So you've got a lot on your plate.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, I we
0: didn't even, we didn't even get to bats and mice yet.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that but
0: we're, it, we're going to get there
1: though. We're going to sure, get there.
0: But, but sure. I wanted to ask a question. I wanted to ask a question about Bob, if
1: that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've heard you uh, tell the story. He he contracted spinal meningitis in jail and died.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know anything about spinal meningitis. Like, is that like you just get it and then you're dead soon after? Like, is that is that what happened?
1: Well, I think you can. And we all, like his friends, were taking drugs to protect ourselves after the fact. But I don't think like anybody knew, like that the, that's what was happening and I so see. um like our he was in richmond at the time and he died like um he was just getting sicker and i actually so sleepy time had come through played a show in richmond and i saw him at the show um and he just had all these sores all over his body and he was um and then it was like maybe two weeks later he told me the story of like what had happened like he had he had um he was drunk at a bar and i know the bar well it, it had this big glass window and he across the street you could see a Seven Eleven, and um he saw some bike cops just beating up this homeless guy and he was like oh i'll I'll go out and steal one of their bikes to as like a way to get them away from this guy. (laughs) And as he tried to, you know, he's drunk. He tried to bike away. The kickstand was down. He couldn't, he just ended up crashing or something. And then the cops just beat the shit out of him, threw him in jail. And there was, we had, we were told like, Oh, after the fact, like spinal meningitis was runs rampant in, you know, Richmond jails, like as if that was a okay thing to be happening. Like why, why are they on the drugs? But like, and then, but, but no one knew, you know, that that's what was happening. He just got, he was like, oh, he's got a flu or something. And then he just went downhill fast.
3: That's a
0: shame. Yeah. And it, it it, uh, was there like a lawsuit or anything like that. It makes you wonder too. It's Uh like, you know, the cops beat him up. Like, I don't know. It could maybe there's more that we don't know. You just don't know, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't there. You know, I wasn't living in Richmond at the time. And, yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. It's just a tragic thing. I mean, his. You know, his. We went to his. I don't know. His parents really wanted to do anything. He. We went to his funeral, and it was very odd because. You know, like obviously his parents didn't really you know, like they, they seemed very Christian and, and um, they were like the doing this very Christian, not that I'm not against that, but like, but it wasn't Bob. It was like a funeral that was very like the, the preacher was like, oh, the, the part of you all that loved Bob was the Jesus in him. And I was was like, okay, (laughs) yeah very and,
0: traditional uh christian yeah, funeral yeah. yeah
1: and it was almost like you know it was all these punk kids just sitting in this church and it was almost like a like trying to reach out to us to you know and it's just i remember like we all went somewhere afterward and that was like the real funeral for us you know where we yeah. talked about him how old was he um gosh i guess probably 22 21 22 or something that young oh what a shame oh no maybe a little older maybe he was yeah maybe it was 20 it was 95 so yeah maybe he was like 25 or so but i'm not sure yeah i've been to his grave and it's in chesapeake virginia i didn't even go for the longest time i was like and then finally like maybe a couple years ago i found it how did it feel to
0: go there after all that time
1: It was pretty, yeah, it was intense. I mean, you, you know, like the, when I first, I don't know how, you know, I've had, I've had other people I know die, you know, not as, you know, I don't know if as close as Bob, but the, you know, with Bob, I just was so in shock. Like I just was like, this isn't true, you know, was my first sort of reaction. Like I just, kept kind of repeating that over and over again. And then, um, yeah, finally, I don't know, just yeah, going to his grave. It just still seems so like, like, I, I just can't even like, he was such a great guy and just a loving guy, you know, but he, yeah, I'm just like, what would have, what it would have been like, you know, to just see him older.
0: That's uh that's the worst part about death's, like Bob or with someone that young under those kind of circumstances cuz you're like oh what if like what yeah. if he would have just stayed in the bar what if this wouldn't have yeah. happened what if they would have caught the meningitis like he could have lived a full life and it's it's just a shame
1: yeah i actually got a, a really funny story about Bob if if you if you want if you'll indulge me <laughs> um, oh please yeah so um this will maybe give insight on like how you know, he, I don't know his personality, I guess, but he, so we, um, Maxime and Colby was practicing at my parents' house. And, you know, my parents' house is out in the middle of nowhere, Cat Harp in Virginia, freaking horse farms, you know, and he was living in Richmond at the time. We, and he was, uh, he's just going to spend the night and we we're going to practice again the next day. And, um, uh, so Tom and, and Drew end up going home and um and because they were living closer to there to my house and then but my friends john Skritza, um, billy hunt and dave hogg all came over as like oh we're all gonna just hang out but bob is in just such a like this is this is boring you know <laughs> like <laughs> what are we what are we doing out here in this you know this <laughs> like n- nothing area whatever like and we were like, oh, you want to have a good time? Like, we're going to take you out. And so we, like, grabbed him and, like, put him in. For some reason, my girlfriend at the time had given me a green corduroy, like, velour track suit. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just stuffed Bob in this track suit. And, and, you know, he's, like, being good-natured about it. I mean, totally. It's just we're having fun. And he's laughing along with us. And then I... I put my dad's um, my dad was Marine aviator actually. So I put his um, helicopter helmet on, on him (laughs) (laughs) and then make him wear my dad's golf shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And so then we go, we go driving in John's car. Um, I'm in the front with John and Billy and Dave are sitting on the sides of Bob. He's in the back middle seat. They're just like, Uh, we're like oh wait we're gonna do something fun let's let's uh go to denny's and i brought along this like like a lute like lyre whatever like those like you know kind of strumming little small harps you know yeah and so we're like hey you're gonna go into denny's this is like late at night and uh you're gonna ask them for an application (laughs) (laughs) and so he goes in the front door and i was like oh and we're going to all be and cause he's like, I'm not going to go in there by myself. And I was like, no, we're, we're all going to go in there together and we're going to be behind you like a Greek chorus and everything, <laughs> everything you say, I'm going to play the harp and then we'll, we'll sing it.
3: <laughs> so, wow.
1: So he goes into the Denny's and he's like, um, he's like, Oh, it comes up to the front and he's like, can I have an application? And we, I, I go, bring, and we all sing, can he have an application? <laughs> <laughs> and the woman behind the counter is like, just like totally freaked out. But someone way in the, like the place went silent. And but someone way in the back was just like, give him a job. <laughs> 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 and so she like tears off an application from like an application pad. Like it was just like a sheet and hands it to him. And then he goes, uh, should I just drop this back by? And I go, Bling! should he just drop this back by? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and she, she was like, sure. And so then we left. And then we were like, oh, we got to do this somewhere else. And we go to um, 7-Eleven. And this is really funny because he's wearing these golf shoes. And we're like walking the 7-Eleven and like he falls down basically like in front of the counter and the guy at the counter like looks up just for a second and then just looks back down like he is not he's like not happy like we're <laughs> we are there and he goes uh or and then bob goes hey can i have an application and i go Ring, can he have an application <laughs> and the guy just goes he's looking down he won't look at us and he just goes no sir wow <laughs> and, we're, and we're like oh then bob is like oh what do i do and he like turns around. And he's like, look at like what my scene partner messed up the line. What, what, what do we do now? And, and I was just like, just say it anyway, say it anyway. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Oh, should I just drop this back by? <laughs> and I go, "Bring." should he just drop this back? by? <laughs> you know, the four of us behind him and the guy's just like, no, sir. And then we just, we just leave and we go to Taco Bell and, That was our, that was our evening. And he was just, he was laughing and having such a great time. And like, he was such a good sport about it. And like, and he was like, yeah, this is fun. Like we can have fun.
0: I love it. That's like the same dumb shit we used to do, like Denny's and, you know, like just these stupid pranks. And that's what you do when you're young. Exactly. And you're
1: like, I don't know, you're just looking for something different. Yeah. You know, (laughs)
0: that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So sleepy time trio. Yeah. Now, this is a band I love and have listened to for a long time. Uh it, wait, so Jay Robbins, did he record that record, the blue one?
1: Uh the well that became like the compilation of everything, but the, yeah. he recorded like most of that stuff, but the that was like our discography was the blue one, but yeah, he the original like um LP he recorded. Wow. See, I never knew that. And that we we were his first band that he recorded professionally. Yes,
0: now that yeah. I heard that too, and that blew my mind. Wow, what a first <laughs> yeah. record, right?
1: I know, I know. And he, I mean, he's a hero. You know, like like, um, you know, I'm sure he he wouldn't want me to hear it because <laughs> he's very modest. And and you know, like when I've talked to him about like, hey, I was like 14, 15, looking at you up on stage, and and now I'm. You know, he, recording this record with you, but also on the Regent's record, he reco- he was the bass player, and he recorded that one. And yeah, it's just it's amazing. Like, and the first record, you know, he was that was like an eight track at his house, and it's interesting because that was like a a record that where, uh, you know, the engineer understood us, like the guy who recorded Maximine Colby was just some rock guy in Richmond. We didn't know what we were doing. He didn't know who I was, but I or what we were, but that I felt like that turned out well, but you know with Jay, I mean he, you know, he just gets you and then also he's, you know, uh he never like obviously is, you know, he he's he's into the bass. Like he he will not <laughs> he, he'll let the bass be an instrument that that everybody wants to hear too, you know? So yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So was he in regions? Like would he perform out with you guys?
1: No, no, he never did. He just, we went to the studio and we were just like in between basis and we didn't know. And then I think like, we were like, Hey, do you want to do it? And he was like, at first, like, I'm not sure. And then, then he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it was awesome for him to do it. Yeah.
0: So sleepy time trio. Uh, We're active Mm -hmm. from what, 97 to when?
1: Uh, More like 95 to 97 were like our main kind of years. And then like um, 99, we we like did some reunions and then we've just done stuff over the years. It's never been like a thing like, I mean, we're all still great friends. You know, I think we you know, we just love each other. We're like brothers. So yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just it, it, you know, if life was different where it wasn't so crazy, then, you know, we, and we'd all lived in the same town. We would just, I'm sure we'd play together, you know.
0: When's the last time the band performed?
1: Um, We did a, a reunion for like that, our like freak posse, um, like, uh, and JMU had a reunion. And um we just played this bar with other punk bands from our JMU days, like Corn Rocket, Hatchet Wound, um Sexual Milkshake, <laughs> some <laughs> one. And um we uh yeah, we that was like 2015, I think.
0: Has there ever been like an 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 official sleepy time trio? reunion like we're announcing it and we're promoting it and we're gonna like do it and have a bunch of people come out
1: yeah we did like we've done some like surprise stuff but then we did one i know we we've done a tour or two where we, it was like a reunion and then we played like the fest in gainesville where it was announced we actually when? played the uh that was like i don't know how many years ago I'm not sure. Maybe my mind is blank. Probably like 2012 or 2011 or something. Okay.
0: See, I'm um, wondering where I've been the whole time. I would have liked yeah. to seen one of these.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We talked about doing. I mean, we almost played a show um, this summer in DC, but it just couldn't couldn't get it all together. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not something that we would. I mean, if the right opportunity comes up we would do it and we, we could all make our schedules work, but you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And we all, you know, well, Ben and I live close to each other, but um, you know, Jonathan's in Richmond and Drew's in Philly. So it's just a tough to make happen.
0: Yeah. Plus everyone's older, different priorities, different bands, different stuff going on. Exactly. It can be difficult.
1: Yeah, totally. Exactly. I mean, that's how like this bats and mice took, you know, basically 10 years to, to finally, um, with, you know, Ben and I both having kids and, and you know, just, yeah, it, it's difficult with life getting in the way.
0: Right. So, okay. So, Sleepy Time Trio. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about when and how does that end initially, and then how do we decide to segue into Bats and Mice? Because, you know, Max Colby and Sleepy Time Trio, you can draw the comparison there, and and you can kind of hear like the similarities. But yeah, Sleepy Time Trio to Bats and Mice. Now Bats and Mice is a departure. It's more accessible. Yes. it's not. It's not. It's not like the poppy, sing-songy, pop punk, emo type stuff. I don't even know that I'd dec- classify it as emo. Maybe, but it's like a, it's like a cool independent rock sound. Let's say let's say like a, let's say like a mainstream sounding sleepy time trio almost. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think for me, like I've tried to like figure out like, Oh, what, what, what kind of musician am I? Yeah. And I just, at one point in my life, I was just like, Oh, I'm just, cause there were like bat songs that bats and mice songs that came out of me that I was just like, what is this? Like Mm -hmm. I, is this too mainstream? Is this too, is this accessible or is it not accessible? And then I gave up. I was like, this is just what's happening. This is what's, this is what I'm writing. And I finally just was like, why do, why do I have to figure it out? You know? Right. And so, yeah, we were just, uh, I think, you know, there is some idea like, oh, post-punk, like you're going to mellow out a little bit. So that is some of it, I guess, but it, but, to me, it was just like uh, it made sense. You know, it didn't like I wasn't I remember like um I was actually talking to Ben about this the other day because I never I, I was in the practice space, you know, in the Rob Ross practice space. And I was writing some of these Bats songs. And then at some point I was just like, I don't know wh- what I'm doing. Like what it, what is, you know, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do here. And then I just played um, a riff that was on our first, one of our first songs, and I was just like, "Oh, oh!" And then it, it like the dam broke. Like it was just like this, like, "Oh, okay, now I can write the rest of this record." Like it huh. just, you know, it just was like, "Oh, I now this is what it is," and that's all it's been to me. Like I've never, like I pick up the guitar and I just start playing. Like, I've never thought about, like, oh, I want to do this. I want to, you know, like, it should sound like this. It's always been just like, oh, here's here's a riff that comes out, and how do we make this into a song?
0: So it's just the next evolution in what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And without any, like, oh, I, I mean, obviously, it, it is more accessible, but it was just, like, I didn't think about it like that. I thought about it like, oh, yeah, this is, like you said, yeah, like an evolution um, and then, you know, but I was doing raw bras at the same time and it just, both bands like scratched an itch that I had. So yeah, I just let it, I let it be, you know, <laughs> like.
0: That makes sense. I'm curious about everybody's process and yeah, it's the same thing for me. I've started bands where I'm like, okay, I want to sound exactly like X band or yeah. I join, I join a band and okay, that's what I'm writing now. and. I started a band or tried to start a band right before the pandemic, and it sounded like Sleepy Time Trio and that kind of stuff. And that's just the natural evolution of what happened with those three people writing that music. I actually tried to cover uh, Rock Candy, the Sleepy Time Trio song, (laughs) and I have no no idea what's going on in that song. I don't think (laughs) I'm even coming close, but I I did my imitation of it, and uh, that was
1: That was enough. You just got to play the E chord a lot. That's. <laughs>
0: is that in standard tuning?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Ah, I think okay. we only have one song that's in D, but then um, that might've been Max Colby. I'm not sure. I, I never drop tuned. I don't think. And unless I drop tuned, maybe in Max Colby once, but yeah, all, all my stuff's been standard, like, and which is a shame. Like I feel like, but I, I but also I'm like, oh, I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, I thought about it because I listened to your Kurt um, Blue interview and he talked about the different tunings. And I was like, man, that's a whole world that I need need to explore someday. Like, (laughs) I haven't gotten there yet. You know what?
0: If and when it's supposed to happen, it will, right? Because for years and years, I only played in drop D and sometimes E standard. And I was like, God, guys talk about all these tunings and tunings that they invent and all these crazy... Like, Kurt has like five guitars on stage and I'm like, I feel like I'm not reaching my potential here, right? Right. Like, <laughs> there's all these tunings that I don't even know about. <laughs> yeah. And then now I'm in a new band and we're playing in three different tunings. I have three different basses and three different tunings. So, it, it happened just like that. So <laughs> Right, yeah. If it's going to happen for you, it'll happen.
1: I would love to hear your bands.
0: I hey, I uh we're going to talk. We're going to talk.
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
0: But um okay, so we've got Bats and Mice started. Yes. We're doing that, right? That was
1: like 99. We um it was me, Jonathan and Ben from Sleepy Time. Drew had moved to Seattle and um Bats and Mice was just like, "Oh, let's just go record a 7-inch." And then um but we never played out live with that version of the band because, um, Jonathan was so busy with engine down. It just was like on, you know, like, Oh, this is, is, let's just record this and see what happens. And then, um, then Darren and Ash from 400 years joined the band when Jonathan was like, I'm too busy. You know, you should, you guys should do this, but I can't do it. (laughs) And, um, so then the our first album was um, with Darren and Ash. And then we actually toured a bunch. And then Darren and Ash moved on to work on um, other projects. Um, I, there was a band called Zeta Mail that Darren was in with Ash for a bit. And um, then we went through a couple different drummers. We landed on uh luke herbst from he's from chapel hill area um now in Pittsburgh. uh he recorded with us for our second ep uh uh, seven inch um and then which actually had a song from that i had written during the lp days as like started the the ep and then um Then we actually, we toured Europe on that. And then pretty much Luke kind of bowed out, I guess around 2008, 2009. I'm not sure. And Mark Oates started playing drums with us. Um, and, um, it's been that kind of configuration. We then we, uh, recorded, um, our first, um, the first tracks for this album that were that's coming out hopefully soon, um, in 2012 with Brian McTurnan or like in Baltimore. And then, um, we like, that was 2012 and, <laughs> um, Ben had his first kid, I think, or, or second, second or third kid during that. And then I had, you know, my kids and I moved to, um I was living in Alabama at the time and then my wife and I moved to had a kid and moved to Virginia Beach and then out to California and, and it's just been this crazy and, and during that from like 2007 to 2013 or f- 14 or so I was in doing Regents as well and um and then Rob Ross also was like 90 you know 6 to 2007 and then yeah, so the bats and mice. This record has just been sitting there. Like, we've played a few shows. We've played some of the songs out, but now finally we um, are uh, finishing the record up with this guy Al in uh, from Warrior Sound in Chapel Hill, and we have half of it completely done. Um, and we're hopefully going to get the last final mixes in the next week or so.
0: So it's in process. Do we have a name yet? Do we have a release date? Are we that far along yet, or no?
1: No release date. The name of the record is PS Seriously. <laughs> like as mm. like <laughs> and um like the like as if the bottom of a letter. And um yeah. Um with the artwork is done. So that's always been a hard hard thing to get done before the album is done, but um yeah, I'm really excited about all of it.
0: Yeah, this is exciting. I mean the last thing you put out was the single in two thousand ten, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, oh, I forgot to mention that. So then actually, actually, so before Mark Oates, Jonathan came back to play with us after Engine Down was, I guess, was done. And, um, but then he was just like, so busy with work and other stuff that he was, he was like, I can't do much. And I was like, why don't we just record a single? And so that was with Jonathan that we did that and we called it that was called back and bat. <laughs> yes. Um and yeah, that and then Mark joined after that. So
0: So it sounds like you've never stopped performing.
1: No, I I have and then yeah, I actually so I, I played drums in a band called Sweatpants. <laughs> that is <laughs> like I describe it as like a punk rock On with like my f- really good friends that I met in Baltimore, Adam and Jamie. And um I it's just like a fun band that we're actually gonna go on we're playing like three or four shows in August in um uh upstate New York and in Vermont. That's that's where Adam lives in upstate New York. And I don't I think we have like songs on Myspace or something. <laughs> 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 but yeah like nothing ever put out but it's just a fun band like it's just like a like i we would just play like bars in baltimore and i just love hanging out with those guys so it's just another like it, it just scratches another itch that i have which is like i always wanted to be able to play drums and i started playing drums with them in like 2007 and i was terrible actually it's <laughs> funny like our i we shared a uh my first practice pace was Sweatpants and beach house, <laughs> but like poppy kind of, not poppy, but like kind of, you know, they're pretty big now, right? Supposedly. Beach
0: houses, yeah, they're they're huge.
1: Yeah, yeah, we yeah. shared a practice space in Baltimore, and um, yeah, they were totally nice, awesome folks. And then, um, uh, but I was so bad at drums. I'm still not that great, but it's just fun, you know. And then, yeah, I actually play in a. I played a few shows locally for with. Other parents from my kid's school, where we do '90s cover band, <laughs> where we played like the festival at my kid's school, and I played drums in that. And um, yeah, like the only thing that probably is uh, worth mentioning there is, is, like we play "Say It Ain't So" by like Weezer and <laughs> songs like that. Do the kids think it's cool?
0: I remember my school had a talent show, and some of the teachers covered uh, "Brown Eyed Girl." And like, I, I think I was torn. I was like, "Oh, this is corny, the old people playing old people music." But I think part of me thought it was cool too because it was like the English, the English teacher who you could kind of tell was high sometimes. Like, you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I, I think it seemed that way, but it was yeah, hard to tell. Um, but then I love that my my kids seem fascinated. Like I've never I've never pushed music on them at all. But my yeah. youngest. It's interesting. Like my youngest just grad gravitates to the drums and he's plays drums all the time now. Like he just goes, like I have an acoustic set in the garage and I have an electronic set in my office and he just goes and bangs on them all the time. And he's gotten, I can tell I'm like, Oh, he's actually playing beats now. And I I'll offer, I'll be like, Hey, do you want me to teach you something? He's like, no, I'm just having fun. And then my, oldest just we have a piano and he just goes and plays the piano all the time it's amazing like and not and i never i mean, my wife has taught him more than i have like she because i can't read notes at all and yeah he, he's like he's great at it i'm and it's and that's i couldn't want anything more than that because my playing has all been just self-taught
0: yeah same here yeah yeah just,
1: just i don't know
0: the name of one chord still <laughs> right like i can just like Put my fingers on the frets and make shit happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's what you know. It that's why I tell people and the punk rock ethos too is like you can make noise. You know, it's it's just strumming a. Just try it.
0: Do you ever show your kids a sleepy time trio
1: or anything like that? and Say, hey, look at look at what I used to do. I've played some. They're not too into sleepy time because uh, they're like anytime. Like I play like hard music. Like they're like, you know, like I played Converge the other day because of that, you know, listening to your interview with Kurt and I was like, and they were like, no, stop that.
0: (laughs) Converge is particularly brutal. I used to, uh, I used to go to parties with like normal people and -hmm. I would take over the stereo and put on the most brutal, (laughs) (laughs) like I remember going to a party with normal people and I put on Converge covered a negative approach song. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember which one, but I put it on and the look on people's faces was just like, they they were not ready for that.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is intense. Yeah. And, but but it's funny because like I, I played them Clowncore and I don't know if you've heard Clowncore. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. They love it. And they like ask for that all the time. And I guess because there's like, and they actually asked for Men's Recovery Project because there's some, I mean, there's some wackiness about it. That kids love, right? Which I appreciate.
0: Like Clowncore, if you listen to the music, it's so out there. Mm-hmm. That's good. But then if you watch their live performances, they're mind-blowing. Oh, I've never... Did you go see them?
1: No, but uh, have you ever
0: seen any of their live performances
1: on YouTube or anything? Yes, yeah, definitely seen those. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can, I know- you know
0: what? I can see the uh, Men's Recovery Project Clown core Parallel now. There's like this weird, artsy thing to yeah. both of them
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah totally oh and that drummer is is amazing unbelievable yeah so they i mean the kids are and they're they're really like i took them to the studio for um for finishing up the bats and mice record and they had such a great time and my oh, that's old, cool yeah my oldest is like always is now like dad we should record this let's record you know so sometimes i'll you know, bring up logic on my computer and we'll record a few things. Um, oh, that must be nice. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. You know, and its I've always, I struggled with it because I, I was like, I don't want to push anything, but I also want them to be into it. And so it's been nice to them to sort of figure it out themselves, you know.
0: I think the move is you, you intro- like you have it around, right? Like you play stuff, the instruments are there. Uh, yes. attra- attraction, not promotion, right? Like, you don't sit yeah. the kid down and say, here's the guitar, you're going to learn this, because then they're <laughs> like, uh, yeah. uh, fuck off, I don't want to.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Like, it's, I just have the guitars, they're just sitting around, like, I, I'm i like, hey, pick them up if you want. Like, it's no, it's no restrictions on it. Right.
0: That's so, the move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of the years of you playing music, let, let's talk about, like, uh, End of Sleepy Time Trio, Beginning of Bats and Mice. Like, where are you at with this? Did you want to be a full-time touring musician and have that be your main thing? Had you graduated college? Were you thinking about having a regular job too? Like, how did you sort all of this out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I graduated in 94 uh, from college and then I got a job as a video game tester. It was like a random job oh. um, that I, I just found in the newspaper what kind of games were you testing and it was totally like point and click like really like budgety games where it was just like you know you see a sword like kind of oh like a step up from text adventure kind of games so
0: like uh king's quest and Myst. i mean you yeah, probably yeah, weren't testing of- those games but those type of games
1: exactly like wannabe wannabe Myst, but yeah <laughs> but um And, but it, you know, it'd be like eight hours a day of that. And you'd have to find, you had a quota, how many bugs you'd have to find in these games, but it was, it was interesting. So I'd left. Yeah. And then there would just be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to leave and go do a tour, you know, and then come back and like, or, you know, go play these shows. And so it was a lot of jobs like that for a bit, but then I moved to Richmond permanently in cause I was like kind of back and forth cause men's recovery project was in Richmond and then sleepy time would practice here. Um, there. Oh, so then I actually did AmeriCorps in Richmond for a year. I was, um, uh, kindergarten assistant. And so that helped Looks like a paying off some of college. And then, um, that was amazing. It's like a downtown Richmond, elementary school and I, I was just a, a kindergarten assistant yeah you know, a kindergarten assistant and the kids were amazing and it was a crazy job and then I was also at the same time I like got a job through that where I worked at um, a computer lab at the Medical College of Virginia and that's where my wife was going to school and um, my future wife at the time. And, um, you know, we were started dating in Richmond and then, um, yeah, we, so sleepy time, like, yeah, I was in Richmond. And then we like, I remember we had kind of like our last sort of practice in Chapel Hill and, and before our shows and we had talked about like, Oh, we're going to write new stuff, but it just seemed so like daunting. And I remember just like, I don't know it just seemed like it wasn't, I don't know anything that we were like excited about, (laughs) but um, we were excited about playing those shows that ended up being the last shows of that kind of era, I guess. And then um, uh, Drew ended up moving to Seattle and then, yeah, Jonathan and Ben and I just started, yeah, just started jamming on stuff and yeah, that's how that kind of started.
0: Did you pay attention to, Anything else going on in music at that time? Like 99-2000 is the beginning of uh, a new emo boom. There's like Jimmy World popping off and saves the day and New Found Glory. There's a pop punk thing happening. There's a bigger emo thing happening. Did you pay attention to that? Oh, Thursday. Thursday was like another big one. Did you pay attention to any of that? Did you want to be part of any of that? Or were you guys just doing your own thing? Like, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it was totally... I mean, I felt like we were just doing our own thing like, I didn't listen to those bands. Um, I was more like my, like, the bands I listened to at the time were, like, what inspired me for, like, Raw bras. Like, the I was listening to this band that was, I don't know if you know the Ruins from Japan. They're, like, a, like, kind of prog-rocky kind of band. Crazy, like, is basically, like, Proto um, clowncore, <laughs> but like, um, but more, more musical and, um, like I, and they, they're very inspired by magma, like very prog rock kind of stuff as, and then, so they had a band called Koenji that was very inspiring. And then I listened to like the stick men or like this Philly kind of band that was, um, I think in the eighties and they are like, very like a demented B52s and like and you know I just I don't know I I can't uh yeah that whole new um kind of emo wave I never really got into like I never not that I was against it or anything but I was just yeah
0: yeah yeah no I'm I'm just curious uh like basically someone that operated outside of the musical worlds that I did, which it sounds like you did. I'm just fascinated. I like to hear uh, different perspectives and different scenes and different experiences that I wasn't even aware of.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at the time, you know, we were doing a lot where, I don't know who we would play with.
0: You must have played Mac Rock back in the day, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a place you would have been.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely played Mac Rock a few times. I mean, obviously played so many JMU shows.
0: Did you ever get thrown on a random gig with like Poison the Well or any of the new stuff that was happening at the time? Or like a, a Bats and Mice Thursday random gig or anything like that?
1: I'm sh- I'm definitely aware of Thursday at the time. I don't know if we ever played together. I ended up playing uh, like, you know, uh, Lucas Brevin ended up playing bass in uh, um, Regents for a while mm-hmm. uh, from Thursday. So, ah. uh, yeah, yeah. But and he's in I United Nations if there is still a band I'm not sure. Oh right, um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm just trying to piece it all together in my mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we would play shows with like Engine Down, with other love it bands like Fin Fang Foom. Like like later on, like with Haymarket Riot. Um, we played a few like a little tour with them. And like they had like some reunion tour. We played with Braid. We yes. Played. There yeah. you go. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Engine down. I could see that. Yeah. I could definitely see that pairing too. That's a good one.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because they, as far as you talked about, like, you know, they were more like, oh, this is our day job. Like, this is our life. And I was, I've never, like, I've been on long tours, but and like the tours would pop up every now and then, but I've always had a job. After I started working at this, um, it was called like computer lab and in, in, um, MCV, I started picking up programming and then I, then the whole internet thing exploded and all of a sudden I was like writing HTML, Perl pages, like CGI stuff for, um, uh, freelance. And then I just started working from there where I, I, and I, I love it. Like I, it's like a, it's the other like, for me the like this is a great way to you know have a have a job, have a career, have a family, have kids, and still do music
0: yes, it sounds like there's some flexibility right because you've done touring, it sounds like you've done touring out of the country, you continue to play right
1: exactly, yeah, and that you know with remote work, like I've been actually working remotely since two thousand and eleven so really. Like, yeah, so COVID wasn't any <laughs> wasn't weird to me at all.
0: Yeah, I went fully remote in late two thousand nineteen and I've never looked back. COVID not not too much changed for me in terms of work. And uh now that I work fully remote, well, let's say ninety six percent of the time, I can never go back. It's so great. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I love I like it too. I mean, it's really helpful, <laughs> you know, to have a <laughs> um, have that flexibility, especially when you, you know, have kids and I have the farm and
0: it's just like, I, I, now that I, I make my own schedule now, don't get me wrong. I'm in front of the computer from nine to five and I'm ready to go. But like, I I'll do stupid hours sometimes. Like I'll, I don't know, maybe I don't feel like working from three to five. And then at 9 PM, I'll be like, Hey, I want to catch up on stuff. And I'll do that or I'll wake up at like two in the morning and check on something or I'll get started super early at 7 a.m. And then maybe from 9 to 10 a.m. I don't want to do something. So it's like I'll do like stupid hours, but I make sure everything's done and I can kind of decide when things get done. And that I love that freedom.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and I'm happy with like my job is just like very flexible with like just like, hey, I, I got to go watch the kids for a few hours. And they're like, sure. And I just, you know, make it up later or whatever.
0: My job did the same thing. They're like, uh, you know, if you got, you got to go to a doctor's appointment or something like that, like just do it, just make sure everything's done.
1: Yeah. It's very different from my wife's life. She's like very, she's always very jealous of like, of like how it's just so flexible because she, you know, she has this shift work where she has to go in and she is stop on her feet. Like,
0: Oh uh, yeah,
1: like I we we joke about it in a dark way. Like she's on the front lines of the apocalypse, basically of of our failing healthcare system. And you know, like yeah, so uh, it's just such a different world, you know. So yeah, I count I count myself lucky to have that. But
0: at least you have the balance, right? She's on the front lines, breaking our back, but she's bringing in serious bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, we love that. But you're and you're <laughs> working remote, and it sounds like you're doing pretty well too. I mean, software engineer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So we have the balance of the two, and uh, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, and then you know to have this outlet for creativity, you know, is just so like I can't imagine not having that as well.
0: Same here. I've heard you talk about it. Like you won't you won't start by saying, "Hey, I'm in a band, and this is what I do." Like you're, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Depending on who I'm talking to, all right, if I'm with like a straight laced crowd, like business crowd or finance crowd, not that I hang around a lot of finance crowds, but (laughs) you know, I'll lead with work, right? I'm a consultant for an outsourcing firm. I do this, I do that. If I'm around more creative types, I'll lead with, you know, I work with a record label, I do a podcast and I'm a musician. I, I, I lead depending on what crowd I'm with.
1: Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Totally. Yeah.
0: What about you? Will you ever lead and say, hey, I was in Sleepy Time Trio, and uh, we wrote some of the best music ever?
1: <laughs> never. I would never, never do that. But I, you know, I mean, yeah. It's actually kind of funny because my dad has a story where he was um, golfing with these two younger dudes, somehow ended up on this golf course with these guys. And um, and then he told he was like, oh, yeah, just talking about his son, and he was like, my son's in some band called Men's Recovery Project. And then they looked at him like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have no idea how, <laughs> like, what your, what craziness your son is. Like, uh, what crazy thing he is. I don't know. But, yeah, for, uh, I don't know. It's hard to, I'm a little more reserved about it. My wife will, will say all that stuff. Like, if we're at a party, she'll lead with that. Like, oh, here's my <laughs> here's my punk rock husband. And I'm like, Oh God. <laughs>
3: you know? And
1: um, But it, but the fascinating thing is like, it is a kind of an interesting conversation when you find those people who sort of understand where you're yeah. coming from versus the people who are just like, what do you like? Okay. So you play covers? Like, wh- what do you mean? Like, and where do you play? Like, oh, are you and then when I tell them or like, I, oh, yeah. If, and they're like, can I hear your music? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's on all the you can you can go to all the streaming things. It's on there. And but I'm like, this is nothing that you've ever heard of. And I'm like, there are some people that <laughs> would be like, oh, yeah, in some small little part of the world, people are like, yes, I've heard of that. And I know this. But that's all, you know, and they're like, oh, when I say like, yeah, I've gone to Japan, I've toured Europe, I've, you know, um, like, they're like, what? Like, (laughs) you know, like they just the concept of that is just so like they don't understand the DIYness of it all that you can make that happen. And it's there's all this underground world going on versus like oh, if you went and toured Europe, you obviously are some big rock star.
0: Right. People don't understand, like, the, like you're saying, the whole DIY scene and that there's this whole world of music that exists where regular people can go do these things and you're not cold playing necessarily.
1: Exactly, yeah. And, you know, there's a world that I didn't know existed <laughs> when we went and, like, the Rob Ross would play. I remember playing the show with his German band and the german band was like oh you should move here like you could you know this could be your life like this is you could play music this is what we do we we get a grant from the government to play music like holy cow like <laughs> you know it's just so like different mentality but yeah i don't know it's just but that that whole world exists right there's like people there's people who appreciate the arts or other countries that appreciate the arts in a different way than we do here.
0: Big time. I When I heard that there's government grants and governments that actually support music in other countries that aren't here, I, that blew my mind. I didn't even hear about that until I started doing this podcast.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I imagine you've talked to folks, yeah, who are just living that dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, look at our universal health care, too.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's uh it's something we won't experience in our lifetime here but um it's something yeah. to to aspire to
1: yeah exactly
0: okay so let's recap now we yes. have the new bats and mice record coming out on love it records yes
1: yes yep it, mm. it is
0: called ps seriously exactly and we don't know when it's coming out yet but it is coming
1: yeah yeah uh, we're just hopefully finishing it up, Eh, you know, it's, it's a long time coming, but yeah, it's, it's closer than it's ever been. We've got like, it's 10 songs. We've got five of them completely done. Um, we have five more we're working on that, uh, just need a few more tweaks and, um, I'm excited about it. I am too.
0: What else? What, what other bands? Is there any other music? Is there any other live gigs or anything where we can see you?
1: Yeah. If you, I don't know the, Names of the show or (laughs) the places yet, but we're. um, I'll be up in Vermont and upstate New York with sweatpants, um, playing some shows there. Um, I know Burlington is one of the, I guess, cities we're playing, but uh, and then that's in August, like August 10th through 13th or something. And then, uh, I'm working on so Jason Hammaker and my really good friend from college, uh, Billy Hunt we are working on a where i play guitar and he plays guitar too billy does and jason plays drums kind of a more like um well jason Hammerker described it as like a a synth like synth ethereal synth band meets hatebreed <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds amazing i need to hear that
1: yeah. yeah we've got some songs already um but yeah we're that's Another thing that's in the works when, you know, when, when time permits it, but I love playing with those guys too. Uh, I love both of them. You know, they're, I mean, a lot of this is, you know, it's, it's, it's me get, getting to hang out with my friends. You know, that's what most of it is like uh, there. I've, I don't think I've ever been in, I've never been in a band where it wasn't people I knew first from being friends with them.
0: Yeah. I like that. I'm just thinking about uh you know any band description that ends in meets hatebreed. I'm I'm yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to listen to it no matter what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're still working on a name for that band. Um but right now we're calling it Release the Owls with an exclamation <laughs> point. I don't know if that's going to stick, but then oh and then I am I, I I am I've written a few of like I'm working on a solo thing. Um I've written a few songs for that that um mark from bats mice is playing drums on and i don't know that that i was going to record it in um after i got back from india but um i think i i actually want to write a little bit more i've got like 10 regent songs if they're regents or sleepy time or whatever songs that um I want to put out. So I, I just need to record those at some point too.
0: Wow. So you're, you're like a writing machine. You've just never stopped.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the one, like, I think like that I was blessed with that. Like I don't, Drew and I joke about it because like Drew and I work so well together. Drew from, you know, Sleep Time and Regents and stuff. Like he, he, like I'm the farmer and he's the chef like i (laughs) i just produce like and but i have i i'm finally like i think with bats and like with with this record and like i'm finally and hopefully with this newer stuff i'm finally getting to where i can like edit myself a little bit more but drew drew is such an editor like he's just so good at like you know getting a song to be a song and um yeah so i've never i've been lucky with like with being able to like the ideas flow for me, I guess easily, but I, I, but I have a really hard time of like with structure. It's just something I'm working on. And then I've always like, you know, lyrically like had a hard time, like, you know, Ben and bats and mice is, is such a great singer and s- writes amazing lyrics. So like for me, my lyrics have always been a lot more cryptic and, so, like now I'm trying to explore like, oh, I wanna open up more. How is that? Is that scary at all? A little bit, I mean, I definitely do it more on this new Bats and mice album than i've ever de- ever done. It's a little scary, but also a little like you know I'm now fifty one years old, and i'm I'm feeling more like hey, liberated, I guess you know, like yeah, so i some
0: it depends sometimes I write more cryptically. Sometimes it'll be a little more obvious. It just depends on what the song is.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what, what works for it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, Dave, this has been awesome. And I've been listening to you for a long time now. And you've just created so much great music. Really looking forward to the new Bats record. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: And thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: And there you have it, Dave Niesmith. Wow, this is one of those uh, discussions, Stacy, where I was surprised. Like I knew Dave was in Bats and Mice and Sleepy Time Trio. We know that; those are layups. But researching him and just finding out all the stuff he's done—Regents, Maximilian Colby, who I hadn't heard before—and that—that was part of that whole scene with like Hoover and. Uh, Ho's Got Cable and Lincoln and all those cool kind of bands that I like, that was cool. Men's Recovery Project. Men's Recovery Project I had never heard of before. And that's like this weird artsy thing by some old New York hardcore dudes who were doing something new. And the stories he told about Men's Recovery Project and about Bob from Maximilian Colby when they were going to the 7-Eleven and stuff and getting job applications, Well, it was just like, it was just such a great conversation and it's so many great stories as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy to see kind of the Sleepy Time Trio and kind of coalesce kind of similarities. Like they were the the noisy, metally, you know, crazy band. And then they had to deal with playing with these weird bands as well. Like we, we did a show in San Diego one time and there was a performance artist that wrapped himself in barbed wire and wanted people to throw ba- glass bottles at him really yeah we played in san diego we played with Gehenna and 108 and bloodlet and then there was a performance art guy that had like barbed wire wrapped around him and then wanted people to pelt him while he was like doing uh stream of conscious like (laughs) spoken word stuff it was it was pretty funny and then we were like we didn't know what the hell i mean i was like 19 i'm like what the hell is going on here and and, and (laughs) we were all just like scratching our head we went on at like three o'clock in the morning and it was like we were all just wasted and this guy's up there doing this and it was it was it was odd <laughs> uh, did you ever cross paths with any of dave's bands no i mean i think we may have we may have crossed paths with the sleepy time trio because i'm 100% positive that i've heard them or seen them at some point cuz we've kind of traveled the same circles around the same time so, because we were doing Coalesce in '95, '96, and '97, so that that would probably line up at some point. Because I, I know for a fact I've 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 heard and seen the Sleepy Time Trio.
0: Yeah, and it was interesting to hear Dave say that Sleepy Time Trio was like them taking hardcore to the next level. And yeah. I think that's another parallel with Coalesce because Coalesce was doing the same thing. Right? Just
2: in just in a
0: different direction.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, Jess and I had metal influences. So, you know, we listened to Metallica and Pantera and Megadeth and stuff like that. And in, in our minds, we were playing a bastard eyed version of all those metal bands we came up with. So, like, everyone heard it. And, like, we told them that was our influence. It's like, yeah, we can't hear that at all. <laughs> it's mean, just that's one of those weird things. Like, no, no, no. We can't hear that at all. I don't know what you're talking about. So,
0: I'm thinking that right now as you're saying it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's so odd that that's what we were listening to, but we sounded absolutely nothing like the bands that we we thought we sounded like.
0: It's like it's like such a fucked up version that it became its own good thing. Oh yeah, yeah, it's
2: completely distorted. <laughs> so.
0: Wow, but uh, Dave uh, Dave was a really nice guy, and uh, I was happy to talk to him, and I'm excited
2: to hear this new Bats and Mice record. I mean, the guy can't miss. So, uh, no, no. And he was he, he said he's 50 now. Yeah. Like I, I was feeling old at almost 48 and I was just like, man, I feel old. And he's like, I'm 50 and he's still out there killing it. Yeah. I i think, uh, the music keeps us young, Stacy. What do you think? I think so. I mean, you know, I may not be actively participating in it anymore, but I mean, I'm definitely, you know, listening to new things and trying to discover new things on a regular basis.
0: Exactly. So let's talk about that, Stacy. You, have recently left the casket lottery. Yes. 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 How long ago? How did it happen? When did it happen? Tell us the story.
2: Um, it was in February, shortly after our East Coast trip with taking meds. Um it I've, you know, I've been suffering with mental block and writer's block for, you know, several years now. And I finally just came to the realization that it was more than just writer's block and mental block. It was me basically not being able to recognize who I was without it. I didn't know who I would be if I wasn't Stacy in the casket lottery or coalesce. And I stayed with it because I was scared to see what that might look like. Ah. So it w- it was less about, you know, Nathan and the guys not getting along with me. It was more about me starting to distance myself more and more from it. And I just couldn't figure out why. And after that last trip, I just came to the realization that it just wasn't where I wanted to be anymore. And if staying with it because I didn't know who I was without it, then I was in it for the wrong reasons. So.
0: You know, that it's good to have that realization. I think about that sometimes because, you know, every minute of every day is taken up for me these days with band stuff or podcast stuff. And I always think, what if that stuff wasn't around? What would I do? Like, who would I be? But I think it's important to make that change if you realize it like you did right because it it's just, it wasn't working for you anymore
2: no and it was totally unhealthy and it was it was taking a toll on me and the people around me and especially the band because Nathan and I have been together for i mean half of our lives i mean 25 years he and I've been together in a band and in our our little circle yeah so like he's spent since 2018 he's basically been my cheerleader trying to keep me involved and making me feel like, you know, he wanted me there all the time and was trying to like kind of push me to be creative. But that, like I said, that block was there that no matter what he said, he just couldn't get past that. And then finally there was a breaking point for me and it was just time for me to go.
0: Yeah. That's tough. I mean, I mean, I've been in that position before where, yeah, like I just can't imagine life without the band and I'm staying in the band, even though I'm not enjoying it. Right, mm-hmm. and then yeah, uh, relationships get strained. Uh, it, it's like you know, you people always compare bands to uh, relationships or marriages, but you could make that comparison too. I mean, how many of us have been in a relationship that we weren't that into, and we were just going
2: through the motions? And well, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I can I can count on my hand how many times I've been in that position. I stayed with it out of like because I was comfortable, not because I was content. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I totally relate to that. I mean, the family thing, and, and Nathan and I, we weren't, we weren't just bandmates. I mean, he grew up with me, like touring with Coalesce. And then when I left, he took over for me and Coalesce. And then he and I got together while Coalesce was still going and as they were winding down to start the casket Ladder. And we've been together since. So, I mean, it's it's more than just bandmates. I mean, he's, he's my brother. I mean, and I just couldn't hurt my brother anymore. I mean, I want him to be creative and I don't want to, you know, hold him back in any way. So instead of, just having him keep pushing me and then me resisting, it was just better for me just to go and let him move on.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I mean, God, 25 years you guys played together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a historic run.
2: Yeah. I mean, I started playing guitar when I was 15. And by the time I was 17, I was in Coalesce. Wow. And and then I did Coalesce for, you know, from ninety. 293 until 97, and then immediately you roll. I mean, not really immediately, about nine months later, rolled into the Cassio lottery. Well, yeah, so I mean, it was. I have nothing to be ashamed of, I'm not ashamed of anything I did. I'm more than proud of everything I did. I mean, I've done more than most people will do in a lifetime, and I'm I'm, I don't regret any of it.
0: And that's exactly what I was going to say because. You have been involved with so much music that I've grown up with and that I've loved my whole life. And I'm happy. One, I'm happy for that. And two, I'm happy that I get to talk to you like this, you know, when we do these types
2: of things. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. I love being here with you. I mean, it's, it's fun just to talk about music and talk about video games and life and everything else. So that's one piece of it.
0: And two, you know, something else will come along. It's important to remember that, like, these changes in life won't kill you. Right. Because I've been in this position where, oh, the band is done. Oh, the relationship is done. I have nothing left to live for. Let me sink into drugs or let me sink into alcohol or like, uh, it's all over for me. Not to say that you're going to do that, but like life will, uh, life will even out. Some new things will come in, some old things will go out, and, uh, the new arrangement will
2: be there, whatever that is. Oh, yeah. I mean, with, with, when I left Coalesce in 97, I was just like, yeah, I'm done. I'll never play music again. And then my friend, John, who who reminds me of Dave's friend, Bob, like he, he's like the guy that just like pushes you and pushes you and he's a protector. And he's that guy was just like, well, don't do that. You're more talented than any friend I have. So you can't stop. And I was like, well, what do you suggest I do, John? And he's just like, I've got a friend that's got a band. They're looking for a guitar player. Can you still play guitar? And I was like, yeah. So I jumped in this punk band and started playing guitar and then through that punk band, like I, I helped a guy promote a uh, um, a fundraiser for his club, and then I booked Cole S to play that, and because I booked Cole S, I ran into Nathan again, and then Casculari was born. So I mean, yes, it's always something always comes of everything I've ever done.
0: Have you thought about if you'll ever play again, or is it too soon for that?
3: Um,
2: I say no right now. Um, I actually I've sold my gear. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even have my base or any of my stuff anymore, but. I still have instruments around the house, even though I don't have my main gear with me anymore. I still have a guitar and a few other things. And I've actually given thought to doing video game music. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, that's what I'm really interested in, like doing ambient music for video games and stuff like that. Like playing, you know, Death Stranding. And playing stuff like, um, like Mass Effect and hearing kind of the sci-fi ambient music and that. It's like, maybe I should be doing something like that. I mean, combine my love of music and my love of video games and just put it in one and then maybe see where that goes.
0: That is a great idea. I think about doing something like that, too. Like, I, I'm starting to figure out home recording and all that stuff. And I want to do, like, some kind of ambient project. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see.
2: Yeah, that's got to be a learning experience. Because I mean, as much as I'm into computers, I use them strictly for playing video games. Yes. So I have no idea how to do pro- production. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're when you when you're doing this podcast, to me, this is this like magic. It's like, how is he doing? This is great. He's like juggling so many things at once. And it's just like, I don't know if my brain can handle that right now.
0: This is so, actually um, pretty easy. But I, I, you know, I'm starting to get into home recording and that. And I opened the interface that I use. And there's so many mm-hmm. buttons. It's really scary.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, our home recording during the Coalesce days was a four-track Tascam recorder that we would just basically record, mix it down to one track, record, mix it down to one track until we had all four tracks full of the band. So that's how we had to do it early on. So
0: yeah, I think I'm just going to do that. He's going to do that.
2: <laughs> I don't even know if I could do that anymore. I mean, that's so. I mean, it seems so archaic at this point. It's like, do people actually still use? Task them four track recorders with little Adats on them or whatever, or is it all digital these days?
0: It's all digital, but there's definitely people who still use the old stuff. There has to be.
2: I would like to think so, but I mean, e- even even Ed Rose at the end of Black Lodge, like as we were recording all the cascade stuff, like more and more like s- machinery would be missing when we would come in, and then the last straw was just like. um Survivals for Cowards, I believe. No, it was Moving Mountains, um, was the last recording we ever did on Real to Real. Oh wow. So that was all on Real to Real, two inch tape. That's the last recording we ever did on there.
0: That's interesting.
2: Yeah, before everything at Black Lodge went completely digital and Pro Tools.
0: See now I want to go back and listen to it and like hear the difference.
2: Yeah, I mean there there is a difference. Yeah. I mean, there really is. I mean, not not knocking digital. I mean, I mean, survival still sounded amazing. Real real fear sounded great and all that stuff, but man, there's just such such a difference. It's it's like vinyl versus digital.
0: Exactly. Digital is where it needs to be now. We obviously get plenty of good recordings, but I'm just I'm just curious to see if I can like hear the difference at all.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 the guy that doesn't hold on to technology. I'm always looking for the next new thing. So, you know. I like digital. I like 4k. I like all the new HDR and all the new, you know, catchphrases and buzzwords and stuff like that. I love all that, but I still have a great appreciation for vinyl.
0: Oh yeah. I still buy vinyl. It's a good, it's that's like, if you're going to buy, a, if you're going to buy something from a band, I think that's what you want to buy. It's the, the records look nice. It, it's a physical thing to hold on to. It's good.
2: Yeah. I've got a drawer full of like oddities, like, uh, Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett and then some casket lottery stuff and a little bit of Coalesce stuff and um, Olivia Newton-John and, and weird stuff like that on vinyl.
0: So I have to ask you an important question since I have you here. Yes. What games are you playing lately?
2: Um, I just started playing the Guardians of the Galaxy game again. Is that good? Um, oh, it's incredible. I mean, it's like I tell everybody, it's like if Naughty Dog made Mass Effect and that's what it feels like. Mm. It's kind of got... A sci-fi comedy feel, like early Naughty Dog and you know, like Uncharted style. If it were kind of semi in a Mass Effect style world, so I mean, it's that kind of quality. It's like really high quality, like cutscenes, voice acting, all that stuff is incredible. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games of the of the last generation. Oh wow, and this generation, yeah, that's cool. And what else? Yeah. Anything else? I'm playing through Destiny Two still. I keep telling myself I'm not going to play that game anymore. <laughs> And, and I delete it, and then the next season rolls around, and something cool shows up, and I end up re-downloading it like an idiot and playing it more. So, still doing Destiny 2. I mean, I've been playing since Destiny 1 Alpha. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, that's how long I've been playing the, the game, since 2013, 14, something like that. So, Whoa. yeah.
0: I uh, yeah, so. I took a big step today. I finally uninstalled Warzone they they have oh, yeah. i i all right i got hooked on it in 2020 when it premiered but ever since warzone 2 came out it, they've just they've been making it worse and worse and worse and worse and i logged in today before i went i was like let me play for an hour cuz they they introduced a new map that's actually pretty good vondel right i've been playing that and i went on and they added all this horrible cartoony shit like The characters can shoot out a giant electrical beam now. And then these guys get the, you get this super jump. And if someone jumps next to you, you instantly die. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. And I I finally uninstalled the entire game and I'm out.
2: And that's a big old file too. That's like hundreds of gigs. So you got a lot of space back now.
0: Yes. And I'll, (laughs) I'll probably do the same thing you did and then they'll fix it and then I'll like install it again i i hope i don't see
2: what happens um uh, because uh the the microsoft uh ftc thing the the merger between activision blizzard and uh microsoft is going to go through next monday or tuesday oh really so yeah yeah so the ftc um they were trying to do a preliminary injunction and they didn't get it they didn't get an approval from a judge and right now, they're in the middle of appealing it. But the the head of the FTC is also under investigation by Congress at the moment. So they don't think the appeal that they dropped on Wednesday is going to pan out to anything. Because as of midnight tomorrow, the deal is is done. So they can't appeal it. They can't do anything else. And then it's done by Friday. And then they'll close a the deal on Monday or Tuesday of next week. So Microsoft, Xbox will be, um, will be owner of... Activision Blizzard.
0: Well, I hope they straighten out Warzone 2 because I'm sick of them ruining the game.
2: I think they will because I think that's the whole reason for wanting Activision is to have those studios and kind of have, you know, them overseeing stuff like that. I'm really hoping that it it helps Activision and maybe will straighten up Activision's reputation.
0: Yeah, because it's not good right now.
2: No, it's not. I mean, you know, the whole last few years with all the abuse allegations and stuff like that. Yep. Um, Bobby Kotick running the the Activision and Call of Duty and their titles into the ground, where they just you're just trying to make money as fast as possible, and they're just running all these teams and all these games into the ground. So yep. hopefully, with a little oversight, stuff like that won't happen happen as often.
0: I hope so. I hope so. But uh, I also bought a. I've been meaning to buy a Coleco Vision console for years now. Oh yeah, and I was on eBay. <laughs> and i saw someone made a av modded uh, coleco vision so that it oh, really? it doesn't have that like old
2: input with this th- weird dongle that you had to screw into the back of your tv and flip the switch exactly. on it exactly
0: <laughs> so i was like <laughs> av modded and i i didn't have the money for it but i was like i got to buy it there's one left so i i bought that and i have a couple games already that i i purchased over the last year or two so that's going gonna- to get donkey kong
2: yep you have to donkey kong is the best port to that, that era console for that game. I agree. I have
0: Donkey Kong and I have Spy Hunter. Spy Hunter was the very first game I ever played that I got hooked on. So I have those two ready to go.
2: That's a good game to hook on.
0: Yeah. And uh, I told you I was playing Resident Evil 2 Remake. I finished that. That was fantastic. I have uh, the three, mate. I have three Resident Evil 3 Remake downloaded, ready to go. So I'm going to jump into that soon. Never played it. So... Uh, You're
2: doing four as well? I'm going to do four too. Four is incredible.
0: I'm going to do three, four, and seven. I don't know if I'm going to do eight yet, because I've already watched somebody play it on Twitch. Oh, Village? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see.
2: We'll see. Yeah, I mean, they, they added the new third-person controller, so you can play over the shoulder like the other Resident Evils now.
0: Oh, I like that. I like the sound yes. of
2: that. I'm going
0: to have to yeah, decide
2: yeah. which one I want to do. Four. You can't miss out on four. I've already played through four three times, and it's it's fantastic. Three times? Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, I watched... I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I don't play games uh, more than once very often. And if I do, it's like years and years later.
2: I'm, I'm like on my sixth playthrough of the Dead Space remake. Ah. And I'm on about the sixth playthrough of the Callisto Protocol. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a big nerd for that stuff.
0: Dead Space is another one I'm going to do. I've played part two, but not one yet.
2: You haven't played one yet? Oh, then then you want to play the remake. I mean, yep. the original is still pretty cool, but like the remake is the original if it was like a director's cut, yeah. So all the, all the stuff is still there, but they've added to and kind of tweak things to where it's, it's more modern sensibilities. Yep. And they flesh out the story and characters a little more than they were able to in the original Dead Space.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that I'm going to do that after all the Resident Evils, so I'm looking forward to yeah. that too.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good one. And Dead Space Two is uh is my favorite of that series of Dead Space Two. So I'm hoping they remake Dead Space Two.
0: Yeah, why not? So, Stacy, how are you doing personally? How is everything? Family
2: good? Are you good? Oh yeah, we're we're, we're great. Um, my son just turned ten on Saturday, and they spent the evening at Taylor Swift. So, like, I spent like two hours getting them to the concert because of, of traffic on Saturday, and then I spent almost two hours waiting for them to get out of the concert in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I basically sat there and listened to like the second half or a good portion of Taylor Swift just from the stadium. And it sounded incredible. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the family's great. Um, I'm working too much at my, at my job to my construction job and it's too darn hot here. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, things are good, man. I'm just uh, trying to explore new things, I guess. Cause I used to, used to draw and paint so i've been buying more stuff to maybe get back into that because once i kind of became real serious about music i kind of dropped every other artistic endeavor and just concentrated it on music so now i'm thinking about getting back to that um my brother and i um like 15 years ago we started talking about making our own video game oh wow and he's he's a like he does animation and 3d design and he's made video games and stuff. And he worked for a local company that does a VR and AR. So they have these like augmented reality experiences and these VR experiences and stuff like that. So he and I are talking about possibly doing that. So like the story I had 15 years ago for a video game, I'm trying to flesh out at the moment to see if we can make a game out of it. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't promise anything, but I mean, I'm going to give it a shot. You have to. now you have the time, right? Yeah, of course. You never know what can happen. I mean,
0: I made this podcast on a whim and look, now I'm here talking to you. Oh, of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hopefully I'll be that lucky. Hopefully I'll make this video game on a whim. And next time we're uh, talking, I'll I'll be interviewing you or you'll be interviewing my my video game next time.
0: (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. So in the beginning of the show, I mentioned that uh, Jerome's Dream did an audio tree session. Now, if you haven't seen this Get yourself over to YouTube and watch it because their new record is easily a top five record of the year, the gray in between. And they sound so massive live. Like it just sounds insanely good. The new addition of Sean Leary to the band, his guitar tone is just sick. And I, I caught them live when they were in Brooklyn. It sounds awesome. And the audio tree sounds awesome. But Stacy, do you know what sounds even more awesome?
2: What sounds even more awesome?
0: When they give me a shout out. On the audio tree. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't sound more awesome than 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 them playing music. But listen, I have the clip here. It is. I'm going to play it for everybody.
1: What are your favorite podcasts? Do you have any? I, I do. Do you guys? The New Scene podcast is cool. That's another uh, punk podcast. Okay. Um, a lot of great interviews. A lot of great coverage of the scene and the culture.
0: There you go. There's our mention. That's a shout out, man. You got to love it, Eric. You're the best. Jeff, Sean, you're also the best. And everybody check out Eric's podcast, Micro Spy. It's good. He has awesome guests on there. He's had Walter O'Shrifles on there. He's had a whole bunch of other people on there. Check it out. So there there you go. That's it. That's it. But Stacy, what I want to do in the end of the show here. Sadly, recently we lost Rick Froberg from Drive Like Jehu and Hot Snakes. So I want to end the show with a Drive Like Jehu song. But Stacey, we were talking earlier, and you said uh, Casket Lottery actually played with Hot Snakes recently?
2: Yeah, it was uh, I th- right before we recorded short songs for End Times when they were actually still doing live music before short songs. And uh, we heard they were coming through, and Nathan's a huge fan. We're all fans of um, you know Rocket From The Crypt and you know Drive Like Jehu and, and Hot Snakes. We were like, man, if we can get on that show, that would be amazing. Uh, the local venue threw us on there and we played with them and i just remember uh they both came up uh swami john and 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 froberg came up and john said i like that song you know the chuggy one and i'm not even into metal <laughs> and that was like the funniest thing we quote that every single time we played that song um that that like that's the greatest compliment ever i mean those are two of our heroes and that's the greatest compliment ever so yeah we had the pleasure of playing with them and man, it's such a huge loss to the music scene.
0: I love that story. But yeah, yeah, really sad that we lost Rick because Drive Like Jehu, Hot Snakes, I mean, legendary bands. So in honor of Rick, we are going to end the show with Adam Jack by Drive Like Jehu. I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time,